Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with uh, an audio engineer, uh, a club owner. Um, he's, he's heavily involved in Seattle's music scene and uh, bringing artists out from all across the United States here to Seattle. He's a, he's a show promoter. He's a, he's just, I guess you're a music nerd. Would you, would you classify yourself as a yeah, music nerd? I'm, I'm definitely an audiophile, but okay. f- former audio engineer. I okay. shut down my recording studio in the pursuit of opening up Supernova. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So let's break down a little bit about your background. You've, you've had great interviews. I, I watched the Glow Up podcast um, with Casey Carter. That was five yeah. years ago. That was actually, I really enjoyed that episode. And Thanks, to man. hear a lot about your background and how you were born in Montreal. Um, then you grew up in the east side. It was Issaquah? Yeah, Issaquah and Bellevue. Issaquah Bellevue. Um, then you went to school back in in, in yeah, Canada. Yeah, I went to audio engineering and music production school up in Vancouver, BC. And wh- why why did you decide in uh, in Canada versus here in the States? Uh, you know, I went and checked out a lot of different schools across the country. I went to Berkeley School of Music. They just started their audio engineering program. I checked out Full Sail in Florida, mm-hmm. LARS, New York Recording Academy, and then a couple schools in Vancouver. And they were just the most no bullshit the one that i went to they uh Mm. weren't quick to show me gold records on the wall that students had come out of but they were very quick to tell me that all of their teachers still work in the music industry and teach because they're passionate about it right and that i would learn all the skills and tools necessary to succeed in the music industry but they're not going to guarantee me a gold plaque right so i just thought that was the most non-bullshit straight up uh real and so i i decided to go with that school damn so do you think so canada's had more proof kind of of what the no, it didn't really ma- matter the location of the school i mean as a canadian it was definitely beneficial to be there and i'm right. very familiar with vancouver it's really close to seattle which was nice because i'm very close with my family yeah um but you know it was it was definitely just about the the school and the dean the way he presented the school as as again not like here's all the gold records on the wall and right. you'll be just like them but more along the lines of Again, you can learn the skills necessary to succeed here. So what made you decide to go to school for like audio engineering out of anything you could do in music or? Yeah, well, at like my my life has had these two trajectories from 14 to 25. And they're both heavily in conjunction with one another. There was uh, the event production Mm -hmm. and event promotion side. And then there's the audio engineering and music production side. I started making music on computers when I was 14. Mm. And I started handing out flyers to concerts and events when I was 14. Um, they kind of grew simultaneously, and then throughout high school, my passion became inflamed for both of them. Uh, but then at 18, I realized that I didn't have to go to a four-year university, and I could study music and music production and audio engineering and music business at right. a trade school. And that's what I decided to pursue. That's pretty cool, because I feel like my trajectory towards being in media at all was like a split decision where I had like five months of high school left and I had to decide what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I think that's really cool to be like, you kind of had a plan of what you wanted to do since 14 and it wasn't like yeah. being an astronaut. You know? I've, I've definitely like known since I was five that I wanted to be a rock star mm. and I didn't know exactly what that looked like at first. It was like pro pro drummer and right. then it was like DJ and then it was like music producer, superstar. Um, but I definitely like, you know, as a, a nightclub venue owner, and impresario event producer i've definitely like i believe i've come into a rock star of my own right yeah um but it you know i've I've always known that i wanted to do that but i you know i wasn't the perfect four-year student Mm. i had a lot of trouble in school 
definitely went against the grain. I had a lot of counselors tell me that I wouldn't amount to be shit. Mm. Uh, a lot of people counted me out, discounted me. Uh, you know, I, I had teachers I didn't like, and so I'd cut their class to go smoke weed and skateboard, but then I'd come back for third period because I really like my history teacher, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I definitely was never like a four-year student, and school definitely didn't always agree with me. And I, I knew I wasn't destined to go to like a four-year college because if I went to a four-year college, I would have just fucked off and partied the whole time. Right. And I wouldn't have amounted to anything. So I have a question for you then. So you're, you're smoking <laughs> weed in school. Yeah. So do you think smoking weed like early on in life before like the government says you're 21 yeah. affects like your brain at all? Well, <laughs> I, I don't think the government setting an age limit of 21 affects your brain. But right. I, I feel like... Um, for me personally, it's, it's different for everybody. You know, cannabis affects everyone differently. I, I firmly believe that. And I definitely know that there's some kids who shouldn't be smoking weed because yeah. they're just going to be a hazy mess and not get anything accomplished. But for me, I was on prescription drugs for my ADHD. Mm. Um, and that made me a zombie. I didn't like how I felt. Um, it numbed my thoughts because I just had all these crazy ideas going on all the time. And I really wanted to be able to hone in on each specific thing and execute and cannabis really helped me with that so uh i started smoking at 16 and did your parents know yeah yeah i don't lie to my parents i like would leave my weed out and my pipe and they'd steal it all the fucking time (laughs) and i would just go and get more uh because i don't i don't lie to my parents it made me really uncomfortable yeah uh very transparent with them but uh they were not approving i got sent to weed rehab which mm. was a big deal when i was like 17 yeah. uh, you know but uh that was you know a different different time but again it's it's not for everybody for me specifically um i found that cannabis allowed me to execute on each individual idea i had in my head and then move to the next um and allowed me to not be on prescription medication for my adhd outside of school was like what is the first time you felt like I'm, i can actually execute things and this is something i'm proud of like what is yeah, the first memory i I started acting on what I was learning when I was in audio engineering and music production school. Uh, I put out a record with some classmates and really wanted to go above and beyond to execute again everything and implement everything that I'd learned in school. So from uh, conceptual design, mixing, engineering, producing the record, the artwork, the delivery, the release, creating T-shirts, a website, branding, etc. For the execution, I, I really felt like, okay, now I know how to execute on what I've learned. Mm. Um, And then beyond that, my professional career, that would probably be 22 when I I took over Saturday nights at the Baltic Room. Uh, You know, I started as a junior promoter in nightclubs when I was 21 at various clubs throughout the city. Uh, And then at 22, I I became the lead promoter and and took over uh, Saturday nights. And that's where I was like, oh shit, I can make money doing this. Hell yeah. So I just... Oh my gosh, I'm almost 22 now. I turned 21 in November, so it's been almost like five or six months now. Oh and man, you could fuck up three more times in your life and still <laughs> yeah. be good. There we go. So so basically for me, getting into podcasting from 18 until 20, so that's about two two years, right? Yeah. I There was a lot of like no's just because of like my age, you totally. know? Totally. So what was your experience? Because you said you were like promoting and stuff um, before you turned 21. Yeah. Was it where you had, did you have like some difficulties like getting into clubs or anything like that? I mean, not really. Like I, I started handing out flyers to concerts and events when I was 14 at the Redmond Firehouse and the Kirkland Teen Center. Mm. Um, and I, I was just really hungry. And at that point in time, and I encourage everyone that point in time from 
14 to 22, take every opportunity you can. Like, volunteer your time, hand out flyers, be the lackey. Like, take the experience, gain the experience, any experience you can. Um, so I, I was willing to be the intern. I was willing to take the time and effort to learn and mm-hmm. to network. Um, and and that's really what helped set my trajectory on fire. What about, so when I was, okay. <laughs> okay, so I try not to bring this guy up, but he's such a good example. So when I was... 18 or 19 little mosey was like like i think he's a year or two younger than me Mm -hmm. but like he was able to go to like vip sections or whatever because he was like one of the biggest artists at the time right so for you with your nightclub or just in general do you what are your opinions on like younger celebrities trying to go to like vip sections uh, I would never let anybody under the age of 21 into my establishment because it's my name on the liquor license and I don't give a shit who you are. Right. Uh, but when I was underage, I was trying to sneak in everywhere. I'm yeah. trying to work everywhere. I'm trying to have a working pass so that I can be in that section and I can be networking. Um, for me, it was always trying to connect with people who are a couple years older than me mm-hmm. and get some mentors so that I could apply what they know to to my plan. So what what is the importance of having mentors? I I, I heard you talking about mentors. Oh man, previously. mentors are everything. Uh, my mentors passed me the torch so that I can take on the next generation for Seattle Nightlife Entertainment. Mentors are everything. Mentors mm-hmm. help you get ten steps ahead and learn from their lessons so you don't have to fail. Right. Uh, you know there are no failures; there are only lessons learned, and you're gonna learn so many lessons from your mentors. And it's just like it's really finding somebody in the scene that that you want to be like or that you admire and just going up to them and telling them you know flatter them tell them that you admire their work tell them why you admire their work and then ask if you can connect with them take them out for lunch take them out for coffee Mm -hmm. they have an event coming up ask if you can work for free what help do you need how can i help you right and then you can take them on as a mentor uh mentors are essential in my opinion to leveling up a a faster trajectory for any career and i also think like you're someone a good person to ask about. Like you, you talk about a lot about networking, right? Yeah. So, what is a breakdown? What your network is your net worth? Like, what does that mean to you? Man, that's everything to me. For me, I realized from a young age that the more people you know, the more opportunities are going to get passed along to you. Mm-hmm. The better work you do, and the more people you know, people are going to call you for more work. Uh, the more, for for me, like going to a concert or an event, uh, any show. I want to know all the security. I want to know the photographers. I want to know the stage managers. I want to know the venue owners. I want to know the bartenders. Mm. I want to know everyone. And that will allow me the next time I see them to go and say what's up. And that might get me backstage at a show. That might get me a free drink. That might get me a hug. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's really for me, I, I just want to be able to be free flowing and, and know everybody. Like I, I love people ultimately. I love people. I love engaging with people. And um, yeah, network is everything, especially for like getting referred for future opportunities. Yeah. Uh, You know, if somebody likes you and then you never know, two weeks, two months, two years later, somebody could mention to them that they're looking for somebody who does what you do. And then that person will recommend you. Hell yeah. So now that you have Supernova, is that like your main thing or like? That's my only thing. That's craziness. So like you went from having like show promotions, audio engineering, all this. Yeah. Kind of like 
led into this one thing they it could do. It did. It did. I owned my recording studio in Pioneer Square for five years. You know, we worked with Nipsey Hussle, Super Duper Kyle, Ski Master Slump God, Snoop Dogg. Mm. I, I had a ton of, you know, national and international celebrities. We had a, a ton of local musicians come and work with us. Um, but, you know, I, I, I had that in one hand and then the other hand I had my disco party in a Chinese restaurant on a train which was doing every single Saturday we were putting 400 people in 1100 square feet mm. and that's on fire and like I just I just knew that's what I had to focus on so in pursuits of opening up Supernova I closed the recording studio and put together my business plan started hunting for a space got architects designers contractors put together a whole whole production sheet to make sure I could execute for X amount of dollars and then mm. went and raised the funds and built it. And so when you have something as culturally important as what we're working on with Supernova, especially for the city of Seattle, right? that's the only thing I can be spending my time on. That's cr- that's so exciting. <laughs> Thanks, so when was like the first thought that you ever wanted to have like your own venue outside of having like a studio space? Man, uh, 22 when I was at Baltic Room and I started like, seeing how money works at a mm. nightclub i was like man you know i look around the city i see i've worked at every venue in the city mm. and the majority of them are four walls in the dj booth right uh the majority of them don't go above and beyond in customer service ex- in experience and atmosphere and it was really really important to me to be able to provide that for the city so when i built supernova i built supernova as the nightclub and nightlife entertainment that seattle deserves mm-hmm you know, I believe that Seattle is a top 10 market in this nation and that it deserves the entertainment value to match. Yeah. What is, do you think, why is it that Seattle's like entertainment scene isn't up to par to like other cities? Well, I think that there's a number of reasons. I think uh, one of the key things is the cultural shift over the last 20 years. Seattle's been known as a massive tech hub. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, Microsoft and Nintendo were here. Uh, with the evo- and obviously Boeing, but with the evolution with Expedia, massive T-Mobile headquarters, Google, Facebook, uh, there's really been a large tech boom in Seattle, and that's that's caused a lot of rent prices to increase, and so artists tend to leave the city. Right. Uh, it takes a lot of money and business acumen to be able to own a venue and and uh, produce inside of a venue space rather than being an artist. Um, and I'm extremely fortunate that my two passions in life are art and business. And so I have this weird, rare opportunity to combine the both. Um, and so my, my goal with Supernova has been to be an incubator for Seattle arts and entertainment and to be a, a home for that scene. Hmm. So what is the when going into like making like a, a venue, what is the choice between being like 18 and up and like 21 and up? City will let you or won't let you. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, for sure. So we were formerly in Studio 7, uh, which was a punk rock and metal venue that existed for probably about a decade or better part of a decade. Um, and they did all ages shows and they just had so many issues. And so mm. the police don't want to deal with it. The fire department doesn't want to deal with it. The liquor board doesn't want to deal with it. And so they actually um, uh, made me sign something saying that I, I wouldn't do all ages shows, mm. um, which is good and bad. I think from a business perspective, there's different things to weigh. Right. Uh, there's a lot of people well over the age of 21 who don't necessarily want to be in a entertainment nightlife space with a bunch of uh, under 21-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, but also, like I said, I got my start handing out flyers at the Kirkland Teen Center and the Redmond Firehouse. I think places like the Vera Project, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I believe they just celebrated their 25 years. Congrats to Vera. Uh, I think it's super important 
I think it's it's super important that there's venues uh, that can teach kids about event production and where you get both sides. You get you get the entertainers, the event production, and then you also get the patrons to go and experience uh, nightlife and and arts. And I think it's extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's fair. Like I've been connecting with the Vera Project because, um, uh, like a media company I'm associated with is Ground Zero Radio, mm-hmm. which helps um, uh, kids learn how to do like podcasting or actually broadcast yeah. or anything like that. And I think, I think there is, hmm, I think what I've been trying to figure out is like promotion for like resources. Yeah, you know, like because there is so many different resources in Seattle and. I was lucky enough to like meet ground zero when I was like, yeah, like 18 or 19. Totally. And I think it's cool when you do find resources that there is things that can incubate you to when you are 21, you might have more skill, whether it's exactly. in business or as an artist. And that was, and that was like the Redmond firehouse for me. Like I went to rock summer camp there at mm. Rachel Flotard, who's the front woman of the Seattle band called Vis queen mm. was my camp counselor. Dang. And so like, having relationships like that or at 19 I was an intern at Jet City Stream a internet radio startup in Seattle and that's where I met my good friend Marco Collins who's like oh yeah radio legend you know he's a rock and roll hall of fame inductee uh and, and legend he's you know he's Seattle KXP DJ extraordinaire um so you know, it, having those spaces is extremely important. Um, if you're under the age of 21, being able to tap in with those spaces is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that in the future, as we continue to build Supernova, we'll be able to go back to the liquor board and be able to go to the police department and say, hey, look, we're looking to do these community building programming. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily a Friday or Saturday night rager yeah, that yeah. we'd like to be able to welcome in some of the people under the age of 21 to engage in some nightlife activity some event art production that's uh in a wholesome way this might sound like silly to ask but i think so supernova's open is it friday through sunday or is it thursday through friday friday and saturday we're open 9 p.m till 4 a.m but we're always bringing in pop-up events on a sunday through thursday and so it varies week by week do you think clubs will change how what days are open as remote jobs start to become like more prominent Yes and no. I think uh, even when you're working a remote job, you still need to be, you know, on your computer. Most people starting at 9 a.m., you know, Monday through Friday. So I I don't think that's going to adjust as much. I think uh, you'll definitely see people being more willing to stay out later Mm -hmm. on a Friday or Saturday night. I think especially in the downtown core, um, Capitol Hill, Ballard area, Belltown. Excuse me. You'll still be able to see people going out for weekday shows and willing to stay out a little bit later, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to make such a cultural shift that you know Wednesdays and nightclubs are really going to pop off in the city with thousands of people. Right? Is there? Yeah, I don't want this to sound like hmm, ignorant. <laughs> so I don't know much about Soto District. Mm. So is there a culture in Soto for like nightlife or is is Monkey Loft, Supernova and the Comeback all in the Soto district? The Comeback Mm. just opened up. Uh, They're a queer arts space. They do a lot of drag shows, a lot of brunch shows and and nightlife burlesque. Uh, Monkey Loft is a fantastic nightclub just around the corner from Supernova. Uh, I believe in the future of Supernova. It's really cool that we're in the industrial district so we don't have a time constraint on noise because there's oh. no residential. Uh, but I, I firmly believe in the future of the Soto district. I think it's the next area to expand in the city. Our city is rapidly growing. 
And when I look at the boom that's going on in White Center and in Georgetown, I think that Soto is the the logical connect for it. Obviously, we've got the stadiums down there. I think with uh, a couple more restaurants and late night eats, I think there's there's a lot of potential for the Soto district. That's Isn't there like a Tesla down there, like de- dealership or something down there? A bunch too? of car dealerships down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that that's the thing. It's you know it's known as the industrial district and it's a destination. Yeah, which we don't inherently get the foot traffic you would get in Capitol Hill. But I think uh, with a with a product and a venue like Supernova, it's 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 a lot better to be a destination. We don't have to weed out a lot of the fuck boys you'd find on <laughs> Capitol Hill, uh, especially because we're first and foremost, a safe space for women, femme, LGBTQIA plus and BIPOC. It's it's really important that uh, we get to kind of weed out the wrong people and and create a safe space for the right yeah i'll be, I'll be honest i went to supernova so i actually been to supernova twice first time i didn't realize it was 21 and up and i was 20 at the time and it was scarlet park had her her showcase there yeah and i didn't realize it was 21 so i ended up handing like tickets out for the whole night so i was like outside the venue for <laughs> like two or three hours so that was yeah. cool but um the first time i went to supernova was actually like three three or four weeks ago oh and sick. My friend, he goes to school in Arizona, so he doesn't really know much about like the Seattle nightlife. And he's also like in a fraternity, so like just that alone, and then going him going to Supernova, he was kind of you know kind of taken aback. He's like, "What the heck's going Out on?" Out of his here? element. Yeah, but I think by the end of the night, he actually ended up having a, a really cool time. Well, and that's the thing about Supernova is it's designed for everyone. It's designed to break down walls and barriers. So like your friend Blake living in Arizona as part of a fraternity probably doesn't hang out in a lot of queer spaces or queer friendly spaces. Mm-hmm. And Supernova, again, is designed for everyone. We're not a gay club. We're not a straight club. We're a yes club. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, we don't have demographic. We have a psychographic. It's all about your mindset. So it doesn't matter how old old you are what your background is what your race is what your religion what your gender is it's just about people who are looking for pure escapism and a good time mm-hmm. so we focus on curating high quality entertainment and making sure that the space is really welcoming of everyone hell yeah so you said it's almost been like a year your anniversary is coming our anniversary is in two weeks this weekend is pride and then the following week is our anniversary one year that's crazy that, did that fly by or did it feel like a long time or honestly like it's it, it feels like it's flown by um it's it's been truly a blessing it's been really incredible so are you and would you consider yourself like an interior designer like were you able to like actually think how to do all that like i'm so bad at that like i i loved going into the empty warehouse when i first signed the lease it was december 2019 and Mm -hmm. i would just spend hours in this empty warehouse just like smoking a joint and just (sighs) doing like active visualization on how i'd like the the space to to be so uh you know Studio 7 was 6,000 square feet and Supernova is 10,000 square feet. And the reason mm. we leased the additional 4,000 square feet is because I wanted the entrance hallways. So when you enter Supernova, you're not just walking into the club. You're going through these different portals. I, I, they're hallways, but I like to call them portals because yeah, yeah. We're, we're taking people out of reality and we're bringing them into this beautiful nightlife uh, new reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, you you walk through these immersive hallway installations. You walk through the infinity mirror hallway. You peel back the 1972 7-Up soda machine door. And then you walk onto the mezzanine. So you're actually walking in onto the second level of the nightclub where you'll find the Vita bus bar. I, I took a, a Vita bus that I, I found at a junkyard and rented, and we hacked it apart and made the bar upstairs. Uh, the lounge upstairs, it's really important for me that there's a general admission place for people to sit, have a conversation, chill out, take a breather. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't just blaring music or a really expensive VIP section. Um, so 
every everything's a full art installation as you walk downstairs uh you know we have the 10-foot disco ball dj booth the dance floor is a massive black and white spiral a la austin powers uh you know the secret photo booth inside of the telephone booth the free play arcades all of the bathroom stalls are 360 art piece hand painted by a woman or person of color uh gender neutral bathrooms it's it's really designed as a 360 art piece and to answer your question, yeah, I, I definitely consider myself an interior designer. <laughs> That's um, I, I'm really passionate about curating atmosphere. I'm really passionate about curating space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what was most important to me about designing Supernova. I bet you'd have a pretty sick podcast studio if you had a podcast studio. Oh, together. for sure, man. You should have seen my recording studio. It was, oh, it was, I wish, it was a trip. I, I really... I really like uh, atmosphere and space. And so it's it's really important to me that, again, Supernova not just be another night, another nightclub, four walls and a DJ booth, yeah. paint it black and throw up some red lights. It's, uh, it's really a fully immersive art installation where everywhere you look, anywhere in the venue, you're engaging with art and you're, you're enveloped and immersed in art and you're not just staring at the DJ booth. Would you, would you say you're more creative or logical or is it maybe even right down the it's, middle? It's, it's tough. It's right down the middle. Like I, I said, I have this really beautiful blend of, of passion for art and passion for business. Um, and I, I don't know a lot of people like that. Usually people uh, have a partner who would do the art or a partner who would do the business and one complements the other. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's necessarily to my fault or to my benefit, but um, I, I'm really passionate about both. I'm I'm very, very particular about my art. Anything that I, I put out, anything that we execute uh, from the the walls uh, mm-hmm. to the parties, you know, like our, our theme parties. We do bi-monthly theme parties at Supernova that... I, I aim to do something spectacular that that je ne sais quoi that that never you know no deja vu it's never been seen before yeah, yeah. Um, you know it's got to have that spark so for example in the middle of winter I threw a tropical beach party and I brought in three thousand pounds of sand oh, and we turned shit. the whole club into a beach party you set up with a volleyball court and I had all these air fresheners that smell like sunscreen that we put all <laughs> over the club. Uh, you know I brought in fifty pounds of glitter and put that on, on the stage for a party called Glitter Bomb. Uh, we, we've done a lot, like immersive, different things are really, really important to me. So as like a club owner, is it like important for you to stay tapped in with what's going on in the music scene? Or do you have like people you you trust that kind of show you what's going on in the music scene? I think it's really important to stay tapped into a worldwide universal frequency Mm. and vibration. I think what's most important for me is staying on the precipice of what's cool and what's new and how to constantly keep things in flux, constantly keep things exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really important to stay on top of the local music scene and the national music scene and the worldwide music scene. Um, but my goal at Supernova is to curate Seattle entertainment. So we focus exclusively on curating as much of the best local entertainment as possible from DJs, drag queens, aerialists, roller disco dancers, costume theatrical character actors, yeah. go-go's, uh, that you know, the list goes on. So, tell me about like it seems like you have like a love for disco. Yeah, well, I think disco is the last like the discotheque mm. is the last true form of pure escapism in nightlife. Uh, it's, you know, created for queer people, for BIPOC people to be free and and to escape and it was very much a a like the red velvet ropes at 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 studio 54 were to keep keep the wrong people out and keep the right people in Mm -hmm. and our goal at supernova is to to take it to the next level 
uh, in, in an atmosphere for 2022 where we're changing people's mindsets. Um, yeah, it's, it's really important to continue to develop. What was cool is you were doing like, so when did you start doing your disco show? Like, yeah, man. So like the thing about disco is everyone's welcome right? and, and you're allowed to be free and you're allowed to be yourself. So I left Baltic room at 25 Mm -hmm. and that's when I started staying alive at the Orient Express. What year would that be? 2017. Okay, cool. cool. And that was the disco party in the Chinese restaurant on the train. Mm -hmm. And so I started that because I was tired of four walls in a DJ booth. I didn't want to go to another club and throw another party. And I chose disco uh, because again, it's, it's pure freedom. Mm -hmm. It welcomes everybody and it encourages everybody to not be a wallflower, but to get their feet on the dance floor and start moving. And that's what was really important to me. And that's why I chose disco. There's also no other disco parties, especially weekly disco parties in Seattle. Um, So doing something different was really important to me. And again, it was the energy of the discotheque that's so welcoming of everyone that I was so drawn to. And it seems like, I don't know, would you classify the new music like IDK's making and Drake's making and Keitronada's? That's at least dance music. And it well, seems yeah, like... I mean, for example, like, honestly, never mind. Drake's new album is, yeah. is really heavily house-focused. Yeah, yeah. Um, and house stems from disco. And it's so funny to me, like, p- so many people don't realize that house music comes from chicago it comes from detroit it comes from black people mm. you're like that is that is house and it comes from disco that's cr- yeah that's so that's it seems like it's making a i don't know would you even say it's making a comeback or has it just been here and it's becoming disco more? never died it's just went underground what right? about that what was that one what was that picture on the like they're on a like a baseball field yeah so that was like- that was the end of disco and so the way that came about was there were rock and roll radio djs who were tired of playing disco hits um that's when the disco duck was out and there's mickey mouse disco records and star wars disco and yeah. disco became really commercialized it became really bastardized um and it it was hated by rock and roll djs because they'd play the same thing all the time uh, and they didn't have the opportunity to play rock music. Mm. And so I can't remember the name of the guy, but, you know, fuck him. doesn't matter anyways. Uh, <laughs> this rock and roll DJ uh, had a night, I believe it was at Wrigley Field for the Chicago Cubs, where it was, you know, destroy disco night. And everybody was to bring a disco record and they put it a disco demolition. And they like threw all these vinyl records on on the field, uh, primarily black artists and queer artists and they they had a huge demolition and ended up turning into a massive riot and Mm. that was quote unquote the day disco died but that was the day disco left mainstream and returned back to the underground returned back to the club disco never left house music is forever disco music is forever (coughs) excuse me and it's my goal to reinvigorate and to rebring that energy to to the mainstream in a non-kitschy way, in a non-cheesy way. Yeah. Uh, if I heard, uh, you know, if I heard La Freak every night, I'd pull my fucking hair out. If I heard Car Wash every night, I'd go nuts. <laughs> but Supernova and specifically our Staying Alive Disco Party is about the past, present, and future of disco. That's why it's titled Staying Alive. It is an homage to the Bee Gees, but it's not, if I heard Staying Alive by the Bee Gees every night, I'd you know, I'd go nuts. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's truly an homage to keeping the disco energy alive. That's the past, present and future of disco and disco house. Is that like one of your, would you say that's like one of your favorite genres to listen to? Like, what are you listening to? I love disco, man. But you know, I, I love trap music. I love jazz. I love blues. When I'm, when I'm like driving in the car, it's either tuned to KNKX, jazz, blues, NPR news, or I'm like 
listening to Future and Gucci Mane <sighs> and like Key Glock and Young Dolph. Like I love trap music. Oh, I shit. love disco. I love vocal house. I love like Glitterbox and Defected Records are are like my favorite groups who are putting out new disco music. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like the Shapeshifters. Uh, they're an incredible disco, like new disco band. And I, of course, oh, I really? like they're classic. I oh, yeah. Out. Check out Defected Records and Glitterbox are doing all the new disco style. Oh, um, it's it's really, really cool. But I, I listen to a lot of everything. I just, like, I don't actively listen to, like, country music. But yeah, other than that, does, right? yeah, or, like, uh, <laughs> alternative rock is not really my, my jam or anything too slow. But, like, man, I like, I love Roberta Flack. I love I love blues. I love soul. I love jazz. I like anything with a feeling that just that, that makes me feel something. And so that could be disco or it could be trap music. Mm -hmm. So I like that you brought up trap music and disco, though. Like, do you think even from I, I want to ask this from an artist perspective and like a business perspective? Do you think Seattle has the space for like a thriving hip hop scene? It's really difficult. That's really difficult. Uh, I at one point was hosting Seattle's longest running hip hop party uh, where we had no dress code mm. and you know, you'd hear March madness. You'd hear, you know, you'd hear future and Gucci Mane on a regular basis. Um, but Seattle for some reason loves to fight. Mm. Seattle for some reason loves to pop off. Oh, Cause we have and that fucking law, that law that you could stand. Your, all the mutual combat yeah, law. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but I, I think that's separate for that. I don't yeah. understand. Like, you know, there's, there's a saying when it gets hot, you know, when the sun comes out, people start shooting mm. in Seattle. Like that's that's the saying that goes on, and it's 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 really tragic and unfortunate because I believe that Seattle deserves a hip hop scene. I believe in the hip hop community. I know so many countless people who are incredible, incredible people inside of the hip hop community, and it's difficult for it to break into the mainstream culture and have a big club that's not a just a pop up party, right. or it's not mixed in with Lil John from the early thousands or yeah, yeah. R and B night. Um, it's it's difficult for god knows why reason I, I don't understand it and it's really unfortunate the police hate it mm -hmm. um and it ends up causing a lot of tension uh i never liked being greeted with animosity when i was going to a club that was playing hip-hop music uh you know there was a couple clubs in belltown that that used to play hip-hop in the uh you know early 2010s and it, it was it was really unpleasant like even and you know as a white person going up and having them tell me I can't wear that shirt or I have to pick up my pants and being greeted with animosity. I can mm -hmm. only imagine as people who, you know, like all my, my black friends or, or Latino friends yeah. going and being greeted with that animosity, it just doesn't make you feel good. So you're already starting with that tension. Right. Um, and it's, it just creates this, this environment that can bubble over and there's, there's a number of factors, but it's, it's really unfortunate because I believe that Seattle deserves a hip hop community. I believe that there is the possibility to do that. You know, the, the lemonade parties were happening for a long time in Georgetown. Uh, but then the second one gun goes off, it's over. Mm. And it, it really, really sucks. But you definitely don't see guns at disco, though. Is it just no, because of the music no, itself? Um, it's, it's a really happy atmosphere. Um, yeah, I... I yeah, it's it's very nonviolent. It's very accepting. Uh, yeah. At Supernova, I don't think we we've never had a fight. Mm. Uh, we've never had any violence. Uh, the biggest issue our security deals with is over intoxication. <laughs> um, 
but you know it's it's completely different versus my event at baltic room again the longest running hip-hop party in seattle when i was uh, like weekly hip-hop party that i was doing you know some somebody was murdered at our party Jeez. across the street in the parking lot it was a, a a gang member from portland came and some gang in seattle didn't like that and they shot it out and mm-hmm. that you know there were shootings there were stabbings there was fights almost every other week and it was it was it was scary and it was really sad and what it's if, unfortunate what about if it's a whether it's a local hip hop artist or uh, a Seattle hip hop party, but then like if like YG comes to town, why does why are venues more open or police even more open to doing those type of events? Well, versus- well, that's the thing is is they're not. Hmm. Uh, Nipsey Hustle is an incredible example. Uh, rest his soul. The last show he did in Seattle, uh, I was at my my good friend Derek Anderson, who is a longtime mixer, engineer, and producer for Nip. Um, and he was in town and I was with him. He was running the live audio for the, for the show. He was running the pro tools, the back end. Mm. Um, and they completed their whole tour. They had no issues, no shootings, no fightings, nothing happened. And we were sharing a toast. Nip made a whole toast in the green room. Um, and then as they were exiting to get on the bus across the street on first Avenue, there was a shooting Mm. and I, I don't know why I don't understand it. It's really unfortunate, but the police aren't receptive to it. Um, what ends up happening is there's venues, you know, like AEG or Wamu Theater um, or, or Crocodile, and, and they're they're down to do those shows, and the city's not going to tell you no, but insurance costs are a mm. lot more expensive. Uh, security costs are a lot more expensive, and it's unfortunate. I, again, I don't know what it is with the city, but, like, there's allowed to be hip hop clubs. There's allowed to be hip hop nights, but the police put a lot of pressure on it. Right. And it's, uh, it's truly unfortunate because I believe Seattle deserves a space to enjoy hip hop in a safe way. So you were talking about earlier about like, um, how the tech industry has continued to build in Seattle. Yeah. Do you have, have you thought about like how to connect with tech totally. people? Well, that's exactly why I designed supernova the way I did, uh, again, to, to continue to break down barriers and create a home for Seattle art. So, you know, again, at Supernova, we focus on curating local arts and entertainment uh, to, to build our atmosphere. And then the goal is to sell it to everyone, mm. uh, to create a home for, for the arts community, but also for the people who are moving to Seattle in their 20s and 30s, making a shit ton of money from these tech jobs, yeah. but they have no idea where to spend it, no idea where to go out. And what is Seattle arts and entertainment? What is Seattle nightlife? So for them to go to supernova and spend their dollar and perhaps we're breaking down barriers, perhaps, you know, uh, Bobby from Ohio isn't inherently homophobic, but he's never spent time around queer people. Right. So he'll have the opportunity to go to supernova and starts breaking down barriers. Like, Oh, whoa, this is a chill environment where they're just trying to be them and I'm just trying to be me and everybody's cool. So um, that's that's how I look at Supernova with, with the tech community. I look at it as an opportunity to sell new Seattle residents a ticket to view Seattle art. Hmm. And how do you how would you go about giving advice for like artists looking on how to promote themselves? Hmm. You know, like I feel like that's something. Well, it, it depends on on what medium your art is mm. but ultimately go talk to everyone go talk to everyone go share your art with everybody now don't be the guy in front of westlake 
handing out CDs and putting them in people's hands and then harassing them for five dollars for that so CD funny. because man nobody has a fucking CD player okay stop <laughs> doing that I don't own a CD player I don't want that shit give me a download card befriend me hand me your download card if you're a musician download cards hand me your download card and if you're cool dap me up tell me to check you out give me a card and chances are I'll look at it don't harass me. <laughs> Just went on a little tangent there about the CD guys. You know who I'm talking about. Don't be that person. That's so uh, Download cards, man. Uh, share your art. Share your art as much as possible. Get in the streets. Talk to people. Engage with people. Just be cool. Mm. Do, you, do, you, do you follow, like, so what, is, what are some trends you're noticing in, like, the music industry right now? Like, do you focus on the genres that are bubbling up? Like, I know we're, we talked about the Drake album recently. Like, I, um, I have a conspiracy podcast. It's called the BBC Podcast and Blake Burton, Brian Barnett conspiracies. And like, uh, we actually took time to make an episode a few months back on just, uh, um, pop punk music, even and how that's making yeah. it come back. Yeah. Man, I thought it's so cool. I love the new style of hip hop. I think it really started with like Uzi and XXX. Mm. Like it sounds like blink One Eight Two when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's this like, rock and roll rock star trap music auto-tune blend that's really been happening a lot lately and i think it's beautiful i think it's this beautiful evolution of of multiple genres and creates new subgenres. and i think it's it's really fucking cool mm. i'm really excited to see people continue to push the boundaries of what genres are and continue to add influence for other places like even even look the weekend yeah the weekend what was it like 2010, 2011? He put out House of Balloons on Dat Piff. Like, that was a mixtape he released for free. And that's full of punk influence. The whole album is an R&B album where he's like singing and it's all washed out with reverb, but he samples all this punk music. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. So, like, for me, I'm just excited to see the continue evolution of genre bending and of subgenre creation so for anybody hating on the new drake record because it's not a rap album well he didn't fucking make a rap album he made a house record yeah, so yeah. you can't listen to it as a rap album and try to appreciate it as a rap album yeah that's very true yeah i think yeah, I have to re-listen to it a few times, I feel Look, like. Look, I, I didn't like the first four songs, five songs. I really like Massive. I really like Sticky. I'll play those on repeat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me, personally, I thought the first couple songs were repetitive. It, it sounds, you know, it's not something I'd actively listen to. But I I admire Drake for pushing the boundaries. I admire Drake for, for stepping out of his traditional comfort zone in order to produce a piece of art that he wanted to create. Yeah. He's a fucking artist at the yeah. end of the day. And you can't tell an artist... How to create their art. You can't tell an artist about, oh, no, that's not you. You have to stay in your lane. Like, mm -hmm. do whatever the fuck you want. That's art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the whole point. So do you do this yet or do you ever look – are you looking towards, like, having artists that are coming to town to, like, stop at your totally. venue what's, as, like, a tour spot? What's so cool about Supernova to me and it's, like, for me, it's very much a Studio 54 energy is that, like, celebrities want to hang out there Ooh. just because it's cool. So – like we have massive headline DJs and celebrities who will come and just kick it with us when they're in town. Because if you visit Seattle, you'd be remiss to not stop by Supernova and check it out if you're here on a weekend. Yeah. So like, for example, Dion Cole, 
Oh, uh, shit. Old Spice comedian, brilliant, funny man extraordinaire. Yeah, yeah. He's a disco DJ. He, like, pulled up, and uh, one of our resident DJs, Supreme LaRock, oh, who you can hear God. every Sunday on KEXP, Sunday Soul. Hell uh, yeah. He, he it was like, yo, man, Dion Cole wants to come hang out, and he's wondering if he can DJ for a little bit. <laughs> That's like, like, yeah, for sure, nuts. man, what? Of course. So that happened, or, like, Polo and Pan finished their show at Wamu Theater, and then just pulled up and were like, hey, can we DJ? Oh. Like, this is cool. Uh, and that happens all the time. What's so not came Lewis, the child came, oh, shit. uh, and they, they just played surprise sets last weekend. Uh, La Femme just finished a sold out show at crocodile, then pulled up at supernova and was like, Hey, can we hang out? Can we Dang. DJ? And like, that's, that's, what's really cool to me. So it's like the after parties, right? Party, exactly. Right? Well, we, we go to 4am. So we are known as the after party <laughs> spot in the city, but for me, it just it's it speaks as a testament to the atmosphere we curate because it truly represents Seattle nightlife and entertainment in a way that that I don't think anything ever has before. So you also have met tons of celebrities. Like I I really I'm once again, kudos to Casey Carter. I know that was 2017 that you guys did that episode that but that's gotta be one of my favorites. Shout Seattle. out the glow up, Casey yeah, Carter. That was, we love you. That was they retired. That was so sad. But that was that was cool. I guess I'm here to stay, guys, so you can you can follow me. You can check me out. <laughs> but what, what would you say your favorite celebrity story? My is? favorite celebrity story. That's tough. I got a couple of them. Mm. One of one of my goals when I was thirteen. Uh, I was thirteen when the Up and Smoke tour happened, oh. and I didn't get to go see it at the Tacoma Dome. And it, I was crushed because, like, I fucking love Dre and Snoop. Yeah, yeah. And so it was always my goal to work with Snoop Dogg, and and. Over the course of the years, relationships developed where I would like bring them for walkthroughs. Like the first time I met him, I I got a call was like, "Hey, Snoop's watching a basketball game at the Westin Hotel and needs an eighth of weed. Can you go deliver it to him?" Mm. Like, yeah, for sure. So I just like gifted it to his manager and developed the relationship. And I've I've worked with him six times now. Hell yeah! Uh, produced private concerts. We did a pop up at the Baltic Room. So that's that was like all star moment for me where I'm like having a blast getting paid and working with like childhood idol. Um, but I'd say my favorite encounter with a celebrity was ASAP Rocky. Ooh. I was at the cozy boys, uh, ASAP mob tour oh, at the Wamu theater and hanging backstage. And I always like my whole thing was like, I would, I love high quality cannabis. Mm. I love entertainment. And I network like a motherfucker. So I'm most likely going to be backstage somewhere with a big bag of delicious weed. Yeah. And I, uh, I like Rocky's manager came out and he's like, Hey, you the guy. I'm like, yeah, what's up, man? <laughs> and he's like, all right, Rocky's ready for you. Come back here. And I like walked into the dressing room and like all the lights were covered with like drapes and cloths. And it was just like real dim, chill lighting. <laughs> and we're just chilling there and it's just Rocky and I. And I like break out the bag. He's like, man, this amazing OG. I love this. Smells like New York. And, uh, and, and I'm like, oh, you, you want to smoke? You want to hang out? And it was like right after his show. And so I knew yeah. the, the tour bus wasn't taking off yet. And so he's like, yeah, for sure. We ended up kicking it for two hours. Damn. Just sitting and talking about uh, Coachella was like the week before. And he was talking about his experience at Coachella. And then the Odd Future Festival was like the following week in the LA area. Um, and and at one point he was like looking around for his little speaker, but he he couldn't find his speaker. And he asked me to play music because he didn't have his phone on him. Ooh. And so 
my like my favorite celebrity encounter is that when I asked ASAP Rocky what music he wanted me to play off my iPhone, yeah, he asked me to play Bill Evans, mm. which is an incredible jazz pianist. And so we just sat and listened to Bill Evans for you yeah. know an hour and a half, two hours, and just smoked joints and just just hung out one on one. Those interpersonal and, relationships are so cool, man, man. And he was like, I've met hundreds of celebrities, but he was the most real, upfront cool laid back human being really thoughtful when we were leaving he like like he was getting ready to go on the butt like his management came back in and was like all right we're ready to take off and as we were getting up to go and saying goodbye he turned to his manager and was like hey i want you to get him the cozy boys long sleeve tee mm-hmm. and the ain't never been to bahamas t-shirt from the tour merch and the manager was like oh rocky it's all packed up it's on the truck and he goes okay you take his information you take his address and you mail it to him from the next tour stop. And he made sure that happened. And like a week later, I got a package delivered from Boise, Idaho. Damn. That was like these these tour tees that Rocky made sure his management gave to me. And I was just like, man, that's so real. <sighs> it was it was just the most authentic, genuine experience. Like it was just love. We shared like a passion for music and nightlife experience. It was just it was really wholesome. <laughs> Hell yeah. So how do you how do you stay hungry? It seems like you had this crazy like grinding journey, and now yeah. you got this thing that no one can deny. You know, yeah, this man. venue that you're bringing people together and all under one roof. So but how it, do you stay hungry? It, shit like this, man. You inviting mm-hmm. me onto the podcast, uh, random people walking up to me anywhere in Seattle and just coming up to me and saying thank you. Mm. Um, I will always have gas to pour on my flame. Like I am so passionate about Seattle. I'm so passionate about the arts and entertainment industry that I'm working in. Uh, I I love what I do. I was made for this. I was born for this. I've never worked a day in my life. I work really fucking hard, but I've never worked a day in my life because I'm so passionate about what I do. Hell yeah. There we go, sir. Well, what is some advice they have for becoming artists, creators, influencers? Advice. Go talk to people. Go talk to everyone you can. Get out there. Best piece of advice my grandmother ever gave to me was go out because you never know who you're going to meet. Go talk to people. Share your art. Talk to people. Share your art. Keep creating. Keep making. If anybody gets you down or you're not feeling the project, keep it pushing. Keep going. Keep going. Yes, sir. And uh, anything you want to promote? You got some up and coming events? Well, this is Pride Weekend at Supernova. Uh, next weekend is our anniversary weekend at Supernova. Supernova is Seattle's premier arts and entertainment venue. We are not just a nightclub. We focus on intersectional community building. We create a safe space for women, femme, BIPOC, and LGBTQI+. We want you. We want you to come and party and enjoy yourself and live life and just be. And we hope to see you soon. Hell yeah. And what's the easiest way for people to to reach you? You can find us on Instagram at Supernova Seattle for all your craziness. Hell yeah. It's been the NAST podcast with. Thanks, man. My name is Zach Levine. I really appreciate it. Thank you, NAST. And we did it.